Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanfler and Michael Sidgwick, here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to AW Dynamite tonight, a show that is ridiculously stacked and a match that is kind of the legacy feud within AEW. But before we get really excited about Dynamite, due to the King's coronation here in the UK... We had the bank holiday, which was nice on Monday, but we didn't get a chance to talk about AW Rampage and Sige. There was a rather big thing that happened on that show. I'm talking, of course, of the firm deletion. Yes, I don't want to go on too long because I'm tremendously excited about this episode of Dynamite, so I'd rather that would be the tone of the podcast. Realistically, I can't even be asked ranting about the firm deletion. We thought it would be a fun bit. You know, everyone likes a bit of a rant. Hopefully I can have some acerbic zingers. I thought, we'll get fired up and watch this tripe, <laughs> and we'll have some fun hate-watching it. I like to be a hater. Look, if Daniel Garcia can be a hater, not about that, but about various things. Why can't I? Mm. Uh, within, so you see the firm arrive in broad daylight to the Hardy compound. Mm. When they step outside the car hamphlet, mm-hmm. it's nighttime. Uh, yeah, Vanguard One says there's differences in the time-space continuum here. Yeah, we operate outside time and space. Well, so, all right, okay. So, cool. <laughs> I think I've <laughs> call the FBI. I think I prefer <laughs> Vanguard Two working uh, Puerto Rico for WWE. <laughs> those, those shots are absolutely amazing. Why did they have to do that? <laughs> I'm not being funny. The rest of the match, despite the fact that it was all very carefully cinematic and filmed, and you could tell it's fake and contrived. Why do they? Why do you have to do that, Matt? This match, I thought, wasn't even a good version of something I don't like. Mm. I'm not the biggest fan of jazz. I like some good jazz. If I overheard it, I would probably listen to it. I would never really in my life seek out jazz. But I can tell if something was great that I didn't necessarily like. I don't even think that was this. Matt Hardy and Ethan Page's acting was... (laughs) They weren't even going for so bad it's good. They were trying to do this. Yeah, yeah, some... You know, some banter. <laughs> like, one of my Hardy's kids is going to do a move on Stokely Hathaway. <laughs> and he, called, he, called, he called them uh, the works of fire when he used fire works. Oh, he's the worst. <laughs> he's the worst. We are going to be happy about Dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's coming. Mower of Lawns got a proper little... <laughs> 
eight years ago. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say yeah. it was. I, I liked it. Or six in years ago, time. whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. it seven, feels like eight seven years. years ago. And uh, I said there was some attempts at comedy, but Matt Hardy and Ethan Page were like working their little bit. Like it was a, we really hate each other. And of course they told you and didn't show you that with monologues and dialogue. And it was just absolutely terrible. I thought, you're not even going for so bad it's good or like exaggerated panto. It's just, you think people are going to think that you hate each other and this is the big grudge feud. So I hated it. Um, Big Cass (laughs) and Jeff Hardy just had this bit where they tried to choke each other with tree branches and it was just awful. It kept breaking as well. Kept breaking. That's literally all they did. It was taped. Anna. Get some new branches. And the comedy was... Do it again. Stokely Hathaway said on Rampage, I'm just going to go and run your electric bill up. Mm-hmm. So he went into the home cinema room and his idea was, I'm just going to run up the electric bill and have no part of the brawl because I'm the cowardly Heenan-esque manager. And then Rebby and the kids came and beat up Stokely Hathaway and that was the bit. There was one good gag. I, gr- I know exactly what you're going to say. There's one like, genuinely... Nobody else put it together. Are they going to do this at the final deletion? Other than the people who crafted the joke, which I thought was really funny. Now you know how Isaiah Cassidy has got over and the sort of the, the vlog sphere sect of AEW fans by going, uh? mm-hmm. and he got injured. So like the whole final de- uh, firm deletion thing happens, and then there's like some shed, and you see Isaiah Cassidy on the roof on a loop. With his hands cupped, going, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Okay. And then Matt Hardy went, Brother Isaiah, I knew you'd come. Oh, that's good. That is good. Wait a minute. Why is that good, Sitch? All right, okay, because come uh-huh. is a double meaning. So if you've come uh-huh. to this podcast studio, yeah. it means you've arrived to the podcast studio. Yes. But if you've come, Hamlet, uh-huh. it means that you've got so aroused and titillated by whatever floats your boat that you've ejaculated. Oh. <laughs> and, that, and then he makes that noise. And then it's a joke. See, he said, really he said, I always do, my brother. And then he went, oh. I always do, my brother. <laughs> I hope not. That's not on. Also, <laughs> earlier on, I've just read, read through some of my notes here. Because like you say, when they when uh, Vanguard 1 changed it to nighttime after they got out of the car, Ugh. Ethan Page said, it's literally nighttime. <laughs> right. And Isaiah, then they sort of start brawling in the woods. Yeah. First notice, oh, Isaiah Cassidy's fine then. Because he just came in and started fighting with him. And I was like, cool, so getting chokes land on concrete, just, oh, just walk it off, I suppose. Was there any lake of reincarnation stuff? No, it was nothing fantastical other than Daft Gert had to get his, oh, it's a bit fantastical here. And I'm looking forward to this dynamite a lot. What did Hook do? I can't remember. He, uh, Dad, did, he did some stuff for Moriarty. Yeah, he chucked him through a table, didn't he? Uh, and uh, I thought, to be fair, I felt a bit sorry for Ethan Page, because every time he got a... Because he was in this match. <laughs> every time he got a pinfall on Matt Hardy, the ref was kind of slow to count it, and so he chinned the ref, and then the, later on the ref, all the refs hit a move on, on Ethan Page, and I thought, well, that's not... <laughs> I don't think that's all right. You were destined to lose this. My worry is that they are going to then complain about it on television, even though that's... Oh, the God, end. yeah. Is a sort of, I don't know. But as a nice segue to Dynamite, this Dynamite feels like, yeah, sorry, we had to do the firm deletion. 
<laughs> uh, sorry we had to do that. And in fact, we're quite sorry that this program has been very, very uneven and the, the, the reception to it has been very, very mixed. So here is a make good, incredible looking card of action. Mm. Stick with us, guys, because this is what we'll give you if you do. Should we start with the, the obvious place to start? Kenny Omega and John Moxley inside a steel cage? Uh. <laughs> like, this is going to be... I can't wait for this. Over the past... Between... And I am a Kenny Mark, so this might explain things. Between the Vikingo match and now, the week after the Vikingo match until now, I've kind of woke up... 4 a.m. to preempt the kids getting up so I can watch all of it. They have earned these privileges. I'm not watching the main event when I'm doing a, making a cup out with the kids awake like I do with Raw. <laughs> I've been waking up and just going, right, Dynamite. And I've enjoyed sometimes greatly some of the action, but that feeling of, oh, yes. Oh, get on, I'm awake. It's Dynamite time. I haven't had that in a long, long time. I'm going to get that this morning. I'm going to wake up and, like, yeah. Rub my hands together because I'm really hyped about this match in particular and the undercard looks great. I'm fascinated about how much of the mystery or mysteries get like sort of resolved, what the teams start to look like ahead of the presumed anarchy in the arena match, what the finish to this match is. But like more importantly, I want to know what a Kenny Omega steel cage match looks like. Mm. I can't wait. I know his journey to wrestling was more different than most. I know that in the early to mid-2000s, when he was thinking of really starting a pro wrestling career, and then he started it, um, I know that he didn't think much of AF, WWE at the time. <laughs> so I know that he went to Deep South because he thought, well, that's a way in, and then quickly realized, not for him, and he voluntarily left. Before that, if you looked at his belt collector run, and the backstage brawls and the backstage tag team street fight matches he had with Kenta and Mox and Archer and the weekly episodic quality. He was not above a car angle, was Kenny. Like he seemed to really like the attitude era and tried to update it. So I know that he's probably idly thought for years of you know, I'd bloody love to do a cage match. They've ruined it. I think I can do a perfect one. I'm fascinated. This is Kenny Omega's first ever steel cage match, or at least one that you'll have heard of. Mm. He might have done some in Winnipeg, Manitoba, but he didn't do any in New Japan. He hasn't done one in AEW. Um, so I'm very curious to see what this looks like. Does he go for a minimalist approach? Does he, for example, like really try and put over the fact that this is lost now? because a cage is basically an empty gesture filled with weapons that in name only is an attraction. The cage itself rarely feels like a weapon anymore. I wonder if Kenny will take a minimalist back-to-basics approach to the cage match and really treat it like the cage itself, if you come into contact with it, will tear up your flesh and really damage you. Like, will he rampage across that ring with the intention of hitting a V-trigger and just go knee-first? into that cage and be able to sell it is that a, is that too much of an ask because people just think it's oh it's the thing that you splat against and sometimes it looks cool that's what he's dealing with here mm. so I'm trying not to get too hyped because he can't single handedly restore the aura of a cage match he can still to this day work a very very good one but how 
far does Kenny Omega's genius extend, you know, because that, that is a bastardized stipulation. Kenny Omega, when he was doing the sequences, those mind-blowing sequences with Malachi Black Hamflet, I will let you talk at some point. I'm sorry. sorry. He knows how to work in MMA influence style with the, what's it called? The knee tap. The leg tap. Yeah. When he was like sort of, he sort of knew that a massive kick from Malachi was coming, but he sort of defended it. In a oh, way you'd checking want. leg kicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. In a way, an MMA fighter would. So he knows how to gently sort of fold those elements in. Would he make it more like a cage fight as much as a wrestling mm. cage match? And basically, Hamlet's going to take the lead on this because he's going to outline his problems with the previous trilogy that Mox and Omega had, which I'm high on. At the same time, I think this version of Moxley, having truly discovered his wrestling identity, this is the most I'm expecting out of a Mox Omega match mm. because... They've got no excuses at this point if this fails or underwhelms because they're both absolutely magic, separate to one another. Yeah. But they've never had that blow away universally beloved match yet. No, definitely not. It's um, it's funny that uh, you mentioned at the start of the podcast and we've seen more and more. We've kind of come to realize this as a legacy feud rather than just label it. And as such, there's a lot of things we've labeled as AW's legacy feud. And then it's only when they showed you this graphic that you started to feel, oh, what is this? Is this one we're mm. four deep now with this case? Yeah, they've had three. So, like, you kind of, and I think it helps, obviously, that it was the brawl on the very first, on Moxie's very first night at Dublin. So it's like, there it was at the very beginning, and here we are. The brawls and angles have looked better than the matches. That's been my core problem mm. with the whole thing. They've never, the ceiling is high because it's Omega and Moxley, so you, you set your standards fairly high. But they, for me, have never delivered a match that has lived up to the build because the builds have always been electrifying because you get these little. Flashpoints, these exciting moments. The glass of these. table. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like the glass table DDT, the very first time. I know people took the piss out of it, but I think they were just going for Kenny. The very first time he pulled out the barbed wire mop for the angle. You know, um, everything that built up to, like, how hyped are we for Winter is Coming? It's easy to forget that was a pandemic show. Yeah. We're so hyped for Winter is Coming. And then similarly, like, I remember, and I, I did not like the um, Exploding Barbed Wire Deathmatch before the the botched finish i didn't like it at all but i remember thinking when they announced it that is absolutely ingenious tony khan is the promoter of the year now because that is that is so spectacular double triple quadruple down on your stipulations that is preposterous i cannot believe you're doing that and that in itself was enough and then the match for me didn't really live up to whatever i'd built up in my head again because of the quality of their work generally and the belief to cedric's point about kenny in the cage about what kenny does with environments but We've spoken before on the podcast about it's amazing to me how good John Moxley has been that only now is he admitting that he thinks he's finally figured out who he is. It's like, mate, like, if you were faking it in 2020, the fake version of you carried me through a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's incredible to me that only now does he think he's got it. But the fact that you have the clearest ever definition of them as heels and baby faces, probably since the barbed wire match, and it didn't really matter who was the heel of the baby face because they were both going to cut each other up with wire. Mm. Like Moxley was a face and Omega was a heel, but they're both going to do pretty nasty things to each other with explosives and barbed wire. Now, there's a good guy, there's a bad guy, there's good motivations, there's bad motivations, and they're happening in what used to be the, the final battleground. I think um, they'd be mad not to, and we've seen references in the build to this feud being bigger than them, almost. It's right now, it's a part of the BCC and the elite, but it's part of AEW lore, it's part of this thing where they've both, Kenny doing that 
out of character interview where he's admitted that John Moxley is more t- like means like quasi out of character. He means more to AW than I do. He's been the guy, da, 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 but it's that can be played with. Kenny missed the um, Phoenix splash in tribute to Bushi when he landed on the hardwood mm. underneath the canvas in the all out um, lights out match. He might try that off the cage. Like, right, because that's a similar risk, and he could make and Moxie could avoid it. And it's like, oh, Kenny's made the mistake going like trying to pay tribute to Ibushi, but then midway through the match, he hits the dead eye and he finally pays tribute to Hangman Page. Yeah, because Page is the guy that finally put an L on Moxie's head, something like that. Like, there'll be some kind of Page move used because he cannot do a bookshot, probably. That cage is too big. Yeah, that cage is too big. Kenny Omega's a lunatic. Yes. And if you read and pour over that Sports Illustrated interview, he basically said that I'm only ever at this point going to work a match when it really means something because the time is sort of running out. I promise you a spectacle that means something every time I step in the ring at this point in my career. So maybe he will. He's a maniac. Like Kenny Omega, I think, is the most low-key goated maniac of a wrestler in that in history. He's nuts. He will do things that other people can't or won't. So that's the thing with this feud. Like, even if the violence hasn't always lived up to expectations, even if the violence has sometimes frightened people when maybe it shouldn't have, there's always the fear. Like, I'll be anxious in the best way watching this match unfold. Double juice um, is all but guaranteed to cage match. AW knows how these things should go. At least one of these men is going to bleed. Um... I'm really looking forward to it because the very best version of what these men can do together is either like incredibly physical and energetic or like really, really smart. Like I loved how they subverted the usual pattern of a exploding barbed wire death match where um, you really measure out those explosions so that they mean something. Kenny Omega was obviously clever enough to um, have two at once, like right, bang, bang, explosion, explosion, where they were a figure four situation and Moxley kicked Kenny Omega out of it and then just as Omega had like exploded, he got a John Root drop kick. It was like bang, bang. Like they're so good. The best thing they've ever done together was the double or nothing brawl when... And May, uh, Mox was about to go for the Death Rider. Oh, yeah. And Mega just charged him out the ring. I thought, in one second, they've made me want to see this match. Landing in a broken table, I think. Yeah. Wasn't it? Like the, so there was already wreckage around them, but they were if already they fighting. can capture that energy for 15 to 20 minutes, this should be one of the best TV matches ever. In terms of the result, how do you see it going? Especially because we've got, what, two Dynamites to go after this one till Double or Nothing, which you two will be in attendance for. We will, all going well. For the go-home Dynamite, hopefully. Yeah, as well. So well, we'll, yeah. We'll, take a bit, we'll happily take a big angle there, if you want. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I tweeted about this a few weeks ago, and I don't think... I was probably not the first, and it's it's not, like, a big shout particularly, but I believe this is the right time, the right place, and the right stipulation to do the big Don Callis heel turn. Slamming a door on somebody's face is a really spectacular pro wrestling like visual for mm. a turn. Um, I know there's not escape rules, but there is a door. So Callis opening the door to even just give Kenny a weapon. Maybe he's got the barbed wire broom. And they'll think hand. about this as well. Yeah, like the barbed wire broom the or driver the chain been, from the yeah. chain wrestling spot. Something that's embedded within their law. A microphone, because that was what Kenny used to beat Moxley with when it was coming when they first revealed their like alliance. 
and then whacks the door on Kenny's face. Say it was a chain, then he chains the cage shut, and Moxley finishes off Kenny. The BCC rush the ring, like climb over the top, scale it, and you end Dynamite with this heavy, heavy heat angle. You've got the Young Bucks trying to scale the cage, but can it get in? Callis has escaped off into the night or something. You know, we don't need to, we don't need the answers now. We just need more questions. And Takeshita doesn't make an appearance. Where does he stand? This is not the week that Hangman returns, but they're chanting for him. They're willing somebody to come out and help the Young Bucks because the numbers are now against them. Kenny's blooded laid out in the ring. And the BCC have become very effective. They're both cowards and bullies. Hmm. And it, like that's been probably the most impressive element of their heel turn because of this weird Danielson playing CM Punk thing. And people... You can tell people still a little bit. There's a little bit about Steve Austin turning 2001 where people kind of still want to cheer for John Moxley. Yeah. I think they need to take away the crowd entrance. I think yeah. they need to start having him come down the ramp with his BCC boys and be like, oh, F you. Like, I'm not into this anymore. But, like, there's still a little bit of that. This is them as cowards and bullies. You've trapped a man. It's four on one. You've cheated to win in the first place and you're stopping the only two injured young bucks even trying to help. And dy- that's how Dynamite goes off the air. And it's just... It's old-fashioned. It's the kind of stuff we used to fantasy book and then see in the early days of Dynamite because Tony Khan was such a Bill Watts guy. This is how Watts would book it. One more thing before we move on. John Moxley is a prophet. This is a man who will tell you in his promos exactly what he's going to do, and then those things happen. When the challenge was made on Rampage via pre-tape, John Moxley threatened to break Kenny Omega's face and his heart. So I think the callous turn does happen tonight. And he's, he's sorry, he's bled with the BCC, hasn't he? We've been told all along that like bleeding. He was the, probably going to blade, even if he hadn't actually opened his head up. Yeah, his <laughs> brain nearly falls out. <laughs> um, Dynamite, I think, would be excused. Not necessarily excused, but we wouldn't be too complacent if they just put a bit of kind of filler around this because this is the appointment viewing for this show and yet we've got championship matches we've got grudge feuds we've got more builds as a double jeopardy match uh, let's go into quite possibly a title change that could happen on this show Sige um, I'm talking of course uh, of the inter I've got to read my notes I just realized I tried to do the <laughs> Daniel Garcia dance and forgot what this title's called now the on, international championship on a podcast 20 yeah because me and Sid love doing the Daniel Garcia dance. <laughs> yeah. um, the International Championship. 20 defences, I think it is, for uh, Orange Cassidy on the road to. Uh, Daniel Garcia insists this is going to be unlucky 21. Two words, AW better. <laughs> this is how you book a, f- a long title reign. What you're meant to do is, the longer it goes on, the more doubt is cast over the outcome of every single defence because they've played this perfectly. The most consistent, fightingest champion is paying the price of his exploits because his body's falling apart. His leg got worked over in the Planet Jarrett mini-program. Now his hand's falling to bits. He's just generally going to be knackered. And it's great that they're telling this story because every single defense is going to be fraught with tension and the idea of a title change. And Daniel Garcia is amazing, and I'd like to see it happen. But at the same time, I want Cassie to win, because I want to see how far this can go. Mm. I think there's still loads to play with. I want to be getting a Wembo with a belt. Yeah, that's, that's what I thing. want. International Championship match at Wembley for yeah. Orange Cassidy. 
You could win it back there, maybe. Yes, yeah. the true rightful guy who defines the title. There's loads they could do with this. I expect it to be a great match. I think if you're going to ask me because it's a preview. I think Cassidy wins this, but I'm more than happy because of the long-term story they are telling to believe that in every single match, I think, well, it could happen. It could happen. And I've got a fantasy booking spot. I think I've got three different fantasy booking spots across three matches. I can't yeah. remember the last time that Dynamite really got me sort of electrified like this. And that is Orange Cassidy doing the Daniel Garcia dance. Ooh. <laughs> like hand barely covering face. Hand barely covering <laughs> his face. The most lazy hip thrust you've ever seen. He has to do it. Yeah. I was trying to think of like other Daniel Garcia sports entertainer signifiers. You know, Orange Cassidy always puts his glasses on other people. Yeah. Like Cassidy in a Kangol hat. Yeah. Or something yeah. like he steals a hat and just like tries it on. And underneath it'll be a sumptuous technical professional wrestling match. Garcia winning now. The timing of this is quite I interesting. Love I Garcia so much. Like Orange Cassidy hasn't got an obvious uh international title defence, and we assume he's not like he was in a tag title match at Revolution, wasn't he? But the, you would assume he's gonna get an international title match set up for double or nothing. Um, and there isn't an obvious challenger, so that kind of gives Garcia more of a chance tonight because there's no obvious feud for Cassidy after this. Also, I think there's an interesting story to be told if Garcia wins and then you see him with uh, Sammy Guevara. And you're like, I'm your understudy and I've got a belt over my shoulder. Yeah. Are you going to get one over your shoulder at double or nothing? Like, there's a, a nice mm. little bit of character development between the two of those because it's... Cedric was playing the voicemail off Sammy Guevara's vlog, was it? <laughs> yeah. But like, it's just, I know it's not on television, but you want these things not to be dropped. AW dropped too many stories over the last couple of years compared to how good they were at never dropping anything. Every detail you were supposed to pick up and you were invited to Fantasy Book. So I'd like to think that that's something that's eventually going to go back to. I also think Orange Cassidy is going to win, but this would be one of the ones where I'd be less heartbroken if he lost. Yeah. I was like really rooting for the... Like, Jeff Jarrett, the bastard, winning a title Ugh. is something I want, but I was still rooting for Orange Cassidy. This one feels slightly different because I do think there's direction for Garcia if he does win. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think Orange Cassidy maybe just sneaks it again here. But again, it's getting closer and closer, isn't it? Um, and he's he's not just winning via a, an orange punch or a beach break or whatever. It is sometimes just like, you're just going to have to try your hardest to really tighten up that pinfall and hope for the best because this is, a you know, the last big swing. Uh, there is, yeah, definitely going to come a spot in this match where Garcia's going to hit something. And as I've done with uh, Buddy Matthews and Jeff Jarrett and, you know, list all the recent title defences, I'll go, oh, cool, it's finishing tonight then. Yeah. So, Casty's one of the best in the world. I thought Jay Lethal was going to beat him. I love that dynamite match so much. Aye. That leg one. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, speaking of uh, Triple J, whilst we're on the subject, tonight we hear uh, FTR's response to that challenge made brilliantly uh, at the Briscoes Farm. Uh, was that last week? Last week, yeah. It was, yeah. wasn't it? Um, well, Sige, considering you've got um, stakes in this, what do you reckon they're going to say? This is we hear from FTR. We hear from, well, if they said it, uh, the graphic says FTR respond to the challenge. Me and uh, Adam Wilborn currently have a bet <laughs> the stakes of which are a nice cup of joe from Good Brews, which is our local coffee shop next to the Walk Culture office, wherein I'm saying this isn't going to happen. Wilborn's saying it is, and I'm increasingly thinking it is going to happen because I've happened upon another great reason why it's going to happen. Oh, it's going to be, because we've already laid down the challenge, so we know the match is happening, and FTR are going to accept it tonight. Yes. It's FTR versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal at double or nothing for the belt. Yes! But Mark Briscoe is going to be the special guest referee. Yes! Ooh. <laughs> I hate special guest referees. If anyone could do it, it's Briscoe. Okay? And then after we made this bet, I thought, well, that's fish in a barrel. Because AEW won't do this. It's not the kind of thing they would do. Like they would, WWE brain, aren't yeah, just yeah. You're the WWE brain idiot. And AEW would sooner rather have a general manager than a special guest referee. And then I realized, oh, hang on. Hang on. Because if you trace this story, the story being, and you know, no one talks about this as one of the great stories in wrestling right now, but because they haven't shared a microphone in said exposition at each other for like six months. There is a story in AEW right now where Jeff Jarrett, Meta Carney Jarrett, <laughs> is trying to get his hands on gold and he'll cheat and he'll cheat and he'll worm his way into title matches through different ways. He needs that gold. He was double J, goddammit. Every single time he's got himself in that position, he's been foiled by who, Adam Wilborn? Aubrey Edwards. I know. He very well might say, okay, thank you for accepting the match. We've got a stipulation. Aubrey Edwards cannot referee, and 
oh, it looks like all of the other referees are busy at double, at double or nothing. <laughs> we need a man who is loyal to us both, as loyal to Jay Lethal as he is to FTR. And that man is uh, Mark Briscoe. And I'm out 350. Imagine negging FTR with that as well. Why would you have a problem with that, boys? Yeah. You, you know that he's not going to be biased. And then FTR are like, we're not stupid, Jeff. We know what you're doing. And then Mark's listening on. What do you mean? Stu- who's stupid? What What is he doing? Because it seems to me like you're finding a problem where I didn't have one. Yeah, I was I more. Than, I was more than camo, ha- especially. Uh, yeah, I was more than happy to be the referee. Why are you making a deal of it? And Jeff you know, rubbing his hands together. Oh, we've got him. We've got him. And then before you know it, he's on his knees before he's even made the cover. Going, come on, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> you're doing the exact same. I'm gonna stands. be in the crowd. Come on. But then so Sage because it's Dax. Yeah. Hit him, Jeff. Go on, Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, no, I saw the Dudley. Come on, there. double G. <laughs> I saw the. Uh, Come on, double. I saw the. I saw the Dudley's uh, double nothing. Uh, one of them hopped the rail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, FTR are obviously going to accept the the challenge tonight. We're also going to hear. And I'm not being my movie star looks, so, <laughs> but I'll win. All, I'll retain all the titles. I ain't no country singer, Jeff. Uh, let's do all the. This ain't no baby face rah rah speech, but uh, God, tell me you love me. <laughs> There's an old, old veteran I love in this business. He said, personal issues draw money. Well, how about we draw some money, Jeff? I think you know the guy. It, it's your father, Jerry Jarrett. Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do an old veteran in this business. Might have heard of him by the name of Bret Hart. <laughs> <laughs> and don't you have no me, Briscoe. Don't you have no me, Briscoe. You might have heard of him. Nobody's, nobody's ever said that, Dax. We all know the story, and none of us have ever said that. <coughs> that is good wrestler. Great wrestler. One of the best. One of the best. <laughs> We're going to hear from two Chris's, Christian Cage and Chris Jericho. Let's deal with Christian Cage Try first. Trifecta time, baby. Christian Cage? Christian Cage, yeah. Look, it was Andrew Rich, good Twitter follow, who first tweeted... Video of Vince slamming down the headset, running away. Captioned, Christian Cage, when he finds out that Wardlow's dad has passed away. (laughs) The thing with Christian Cage is with the turtleneck, he's like the super villain. Will he bring this up? Is it on? Is it nice to bring up? Or is it just effective? Will he bring it up? Just possibly. Mm. He is going to lay down the challenge. and He's probably going to mention that Wardlow's dad has died. And it's one of those things that when you preview on a podcast, you think, ah, bad taste, bad taste. And then Christian will come up with such a great black comedy line and delivery that you'll think, come on, Wardlow, kick his ass. Kick his ass in Vegas. And it's going to be quite simple and economic. I don't know if any of these are going to take place in the ring. I expect Moxie and Omega to get time. But uh, Wardlow's obviously going to accept. But I cannot wait for this match. I'm trying not to say the same things on every single podcast. But I will say this again. Christian Cage, with his expert craftsmanship, is the best main event. It's the best gateway, shortcut, lesson for Wardlow to go 15 minutes in there because I don't think he's ever worked a match that long. That was as good as some of his eight-minute TV sprints. Christian walking into a spine buster off Arn Anderson when he said something. Um, When he said something along the lines of, like, you don't need... I don't need Luchasaurus to push you off the stage, old man. You do that yourself. Or something like that, you know, like what he was doing to Jungle Boy. Like, And then Arn gets his revenge in the match when it's just all bubbling under and all that. 
that's I love that it's Christian. Like I really hope that this isn't a we're gonna sneak that in on dynamite for the Luchasaurus match of the pay-per-view. I think Christian is the match, and then you treat yourself to the Luchasaurus one on television as a nice little capper for this mini program. I said it last week, Wardlow and Arn Anderson is magic. Stop another night. And those are great. I like the idea that Christian saying, Me and you, Wardlow, double or nothing. <laughs> One of, us, one of us is going to have a dinosaur in our corner, and I'll have Luchasaurus <laughs> in mine as well. <laughs> that's good. That's it. That's class. Um, we also didn't get a chance, uh, as we didn't talk about Rampage, to talk about Chris Jericho. He's done it again. Chris Jericho takes action tonight. Let's talk about the interview he did with is it Lexi. Lexi? Are you sure? <laughs> Was that what he said? Did you see this? Yeah, I saw the. I only saw the end of it where he slams the door and then says, "Lock the door." Lock the door. So if you didn't watch Rampage, and there's so unless you're one of the two hundred thousand who did, <laughs> I will tell you. So Lexi there goes to interview Chris Jericho, who is conspicuous by his absence on commentary. He's paranoid in his dressing room, agitated. We know what this is a riff on. It was only missing like a artificial dog noise, yeah, like some barking dog in the room. So Jericho goes, "Who is it?" He goes, "It's Lexi." Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> he opens the door, and Chris Jericho is on form, and more people need to talk about it <laughs> to use Twitter parlance. They do they have to be fair. This story's going really well. This story's going really well. I think it's fantastic, and like I'm not trying to be this guy, but more people should talk about it because if Hamlet, who's by no means a Jericho mark like at all, can put this over as something that's actually really, really good, and I want to go into why it's really good as well can put it over. Other people should as well. More people should talk about it. So he opens the door. He's putting on this full, sincere, disingenuous bellend. Chris Jericho at his best, saying, I can't do my commentary duties tonight. I've had to abdicate those um, because I cannot guarantee my safety when I'm sharing a building with Adam Cole. This can no longer go on. I'll have more to say about this on Wednesday. What I love about this is that with the quarterly pay-per-view model, at first... Tony Khan had devised several wonderful ways of preserving the match, not having the main players interact. Cody MJF was Taz Sabu with a twist. Um, he got the first gauntlet with Moxley and Jericho at Revolution. And then he did different cooler gauntlets later on. It kind of at Revolution 2023 this year brought into focus ran out of ways to keep the upcoming pay-per-view opponents separate. And now it's getting a bit cliched and your patterns are revealing themselves. This can't be in the same building together stuff. Not only is it like a really cute riff, not only could it foreshadow the widely reported punk Jericho feud, but what a wonderful device to make that match feel elusive and premium and you have to pay for it. So I love all of this. And I think Jericho is going to do a continuation of the fact that he can't be in the same building as Cole tonight. And I love to see how that gets broken because you want one brawl before the pay-per-view. I think they've told an exceptional story here. I think it's not enough people are talking about how they appear to have said, right, okay, let's be inventive. Let's be creative. Let's not fall back on our usual tropes with this one. Let's tell a unique original story here because the Starks one wasn't good enough. And Jericho, for all his faults, never phones it in. Sometimes he can do too much. Mm. Sometimes he can, like, overcorrect phoning in. Oh, yeah! This is the perfect example of that, this story, this Adam Cole Jericho feed, because week one, 
was Adam Cole saying, right, I'm ready for a challenger. And Daniel Garcia's music hits. And instead of being excited for that match, I went, oh, no. You know is what? This, it, this is the pipeline of Jericho. I should gauntlet with the Jericho Appreciation Society. One you know what that week means. later, nothing more than Chris Jericho looking angrily over his shoulder. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah. First week, Adam Cole covered in streamers and Jericho being a bit pissed off with that. And it's like, like yeah, I get this immediately. I get this. Yeah. I love it. Look at him just trying to steal the show. Yeah. Look, he's arrogant and he's trying <laughs> to celebrate. Amazing. Really good stuff. Uh, and uh, I'm intrigued to see yeah, how they. Uh, set this up in the coming weeks. Yeah, whether whether they're going to hook Roderick Strong into this as well, or yeah. By the time we're in late June, the idea of Chris Jericho erecting like a forbidden door that CM Punk can't get through that he just boots down yeah. to get to him, and that being an angle, and it's like we all know finally we've made this canon and we can just start having some fun again yeah. rather than it being. To, well, I think we genuinely lift some of the burden of the CM Punk return off a lot of people. Uh, we've also got the first. Open House Trios Championship match. It is the House of Blegg uh, versus Best Friends and Bandido. Very cool. Mm. Bandido and Malachi. What does that look like? Yeah. I don't know. Can't wait to see it. This should be fun. I don't know if the heat is going to be there or if fans will be sort of adjusting to the new rules. The House of Black are going to win. They have to win to establish the new rules, to play with them. I'm very interested to see in terms of the dynamic and the new rules. It's not something I'm hugely emotionally invested in. I think that's going to be a recurring problem in the trios division. It's not something I think is going to be one of the better trios matches in AEW history because they've had so many. I'm just curious. And when I'm watching it, I'm certain it will be very, very good. I've got a finish, I think, but can you remind me of the rules, the house rules? 22nd count outs instead of 10. Yeah. Rule breaks don't count. You just yep. have to suffer. Mm-hmm. And it's Deep. dealer's choice yeah. whether disqualifications count or not. So I've got the what I think is going to be the finish. And I think they're going to try and put over the rules in match one because, well, because it makes sense to. You know, you want to establish that, like, this is an even more difficult mountain to climb if you want to take these trails belts off these three. Uh, we'll go with Chuck Taylor, but it really could be any of the three. Brody King does the over-the-top rope strangulation spot, but the ref can't break it because there's no rope breaks. Oh, and yeah. he has no choice but to submit. And that's like all of a sudden now it's a devastating finisher where typically it's nothing more than like a five-count move. And that's put, it's like a killer finisher and it's put over these new rules. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Just pick which best friend you want to see. So I love that, and I just think Chuck would be the best at selling. Trent's it. got dickhead energy. He has, but he's like a great wrestler. Chuck, he's bit, Sometimes he's funny. He can be a bit more sympathetic with Chuck, which is why I think like seeing his face. So it's panic. catharsis versus sympathy. I yeah, guess, the, I the, the panic and the fear, and then uh, I'm going to have to give up. I like Trent, but sometimes you think, ah, maybe you're a dick IRL. Yeah, like being an edge lord is a bit five years ago. Yeah, you can use it's like it's actually harder to tweet in lowercase than it is have capital letters after the full stops. Trent. Depends if you're on a laptop or your phone, but everyone tweets on a phone, so yeah. Uh, we've also got double jeopardy with Ray Phoenix and Claudio Castagnoli. Oh Talk me through this, Sage. EC dub, EC dub. So it's an ECW stipulation. And the idea is that if Phoenix wins, he gets a world title rematch. And if Claudio wins, he and a partner of his choosing will challenge the Lucha Bros for the ROH titles. I'm not sure about that because. I want Mox and Danielson away from the ROH brand. I know there's a sentimental thing with Danielson. There's an ex-pape. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is, if this match, it's like three and three quarter stars, you'll think, ah, it was a bit botchy. 
and for whatever reason it just wasn't as cohesive as it could have been in a weird lack of heat because if it's three and three it's a pretty big disappointment because mm -hmm. of what you think these two can do together i think that uh claudio will win i think for whatever reason tony khan really still believes in ring of honor for now and wants to preserve claudio as a big champion is the sort of Bockwinkle, articulate, be suited, like can't be out wrestled champion. So I think Claudio will win. I probably think he should win. I've got a spot here, and Wilborn, I think. Podcast law is that Adam Wilborn often pitches <laughs> physical spots that are, in fact, impossible. <laughs> I think Claudio Castagnoli is going to do the UFO. <gasps> The how does he do it? <laughs> ha uh, hands on hips, moving around, and having Phoenix wrap around his body. I don't know how he does this. Phoenix pops up and gives him a reverse Rana to counter it. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. You can't spring off the small of your back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's no. gonna do it. <laughs> I love that. Really like that. Yeah, I'm just looking. I was just looking to see when the next RH pay per view is. If we're going on last year's uh, Death Before Dishonor, which was the one that followed Supercard of Honor, it's not till July. That's not great. I was thinking if Claudio won, and he says, "Oh well, I want, um, I want a tag title match. And I'm gonna, we're going to have it there." And then Tony Khan says, "Glad you've said that, Arsenal, because you're not having Utah. Don't like him, and he's been all awful. We're going to do an old-fashioned Ring of Honor Champions Challenge, and you can team with Shibata. Yeah, and, and it's him and Shibata for the better, and like." You know, winner winner takes the titles basically, just because it's like these Ring of Honor. Like people were saying this to the one around WrestleMania weekend, the Supercard show, where it was just everyone's just accepted them as NXT takeovers. You know how you always you say you never ever watched NXT TV. The takeover would come around, you're like, the match is class. They give me a video package. I yeah, get it. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, was that not your in person experience of Supercard one of this exactly, year? Exactly. Yeah. Like that feels like that's the vibe. Certainly at this point. It could be Claudio and Utah, actually, but that Claudio plus one in a tag against the Lucha Brothers for the Bates is very much one of their takeover matches, you know? Yeah. Um, Phoenix fighting for the Ring of Honor title. <sighs> for, like, to, to pop a Ring of Honor number? Like, yeah, I don't that's, know why that's not, It's not making it to the pay-per-view. So, so close to, to Anarchy in the Arena, I just don't know why. Presumed Anarchy in the Arena, I don't know why you would bother. Mm. Uh, finally, last but by no means least, uh, is a grudge match between Anna JAS and Julia Hart. No holds barred. Put it second. If I'd prefer for it to go first and as, a, as far away from the cage match as possible, otherwise it's going to get mutilated in terms of which violent match was the best on Dynamite. It's too naive to expect this to open the show. It's AEW. It's a women's match. These things don't happen. It's disgusting, but they don't. Put this second so it stands a chance of lingering in the memory because if you put this in the semi-main spot just before the main event, it has to be... It's asking way too much of two performers who are still relatively like very, very, very inexperienced. Um, Anna Jay often gets a reaction. She's uneven owing to her inexperience, but lest we forget, she worked the best Jade Cargill match by some distance for me, so she's got it in her to do something great. People have really connected with the Julia Hart character. Uh, so the best version of this match is pretty good and Anna Jay has proven like several times that she's 
game for a proper let's make this memorable. So I expect Hearts to win. I just do. But put it on second. I'm not even going to try and manifest it opening because it's just not going to happen. And why is it? It just sucks that it's just not a possibility because the opener is like hot crowd, ready for dynamite. It would be so, it'd be like a good shortcut to getting some of these matches over, but Khan's a coward when it comes to this division, and it's never getting less bleak than that. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, not too much to add, really. They've got it. They've both got it in them, but you sometimes, when you don't have it every time, you need a bit of luck and good fortune. The stipulation will help. Mm-hmm. Like I think a missed finish. Yeah, like wrestlers being let loose with stuff like the bells and whistles, the weapons, the mist, stuff like that, at least gives them a chance of making something memorable. I think they can. I hope they can. I th- I've, it, this feels like one of the matches that everybody's rooting for because they are both really well liked. You and say that, but they'll be need. Maybe. Like, they've worked on the story. You can tell they're really invested, yeah. even if from a TV point of view, it hasn't really felt that way. Well, one last thing to do then. It's time to play the game! I've run out of Tamina crack, to be honest. <laughs> um, I punch I'm down any more, I'll revert to a caveman. Imagine her him. No holds barred match. Imagine that. You can't. <laughs> Uh, matches are brutal enough as it is, am I right? All right, okay, that's it, that's I've it. I've seen them in lots of no-holds matches. <laughs> uh, thanks, as always, to Adam Blair, at Adam Wilton, for, and Jose Palomares, at the Ho 11 who always take care of the... Um, Data. ...for this sort of thing. Uh, the winner last week was... Uh, oh, it was me. Um, put me on a grand total of two correct <laughs> guesses for the year. Um, and the Dudley Boys, currently both five each... For the year, uh, I'm going to use a little bit of uh, statistical data that has been sent to us. You see this tweet from? You seen this? You heard about this? From no, sounds like you're at a great advantage. Yeah, well, he's sharing it before he. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Adam Blair tweeted us yesterday saying, "Lads, I would never want to influence your ladies' night predictions, but the only women's only women's match on AW Dynamite. Oh, but yeah, where, where are my manners? By the way." Before we get to the uh, name of the game, Stage, what's the aim of this game? The aim of the game is to identify correctly to the hour, minute, and second the first time you hear the first note of the first woman to appear on the only Dynamite women's match, their entrance theme, to really underscore, italicize, put in bold, just how obligatory this is. It's the one match. It's in one of two slots. Let's cut this out. And why can't you put this in a Jamie Hayter title defense on the same show? I'd watch that show. I think a lot of people would watch that show. Jamie Hayter is one of the most overacts on said show, so just do it already. The discourse around British talent on All In that isn't involving Jamie Hayter is disgraceful at the moment, yes. by the way. Mm. Like the race from certain people to get friggin', I'm not picking on them, but I am a bit, friggin' Trent Seven or somebody, or, you know, like a better example because I love him, Zack Sabre Jr., someone like that. Like, he doesn't wrestle for AW. The world champion of one of your divisions does. Yeah. Make sure her thing is big. So that's the aim of the yes. game. And the name of the game as well. Listen, this lady name. I'm thinking, oh, what a night. So, yeah, Adam said, I would never want to influence your ladies' night <laughs> predictions, but the only women's match on AW Dynamite has alternated between the first and second hour slots for the last five weeks. Stinks. <laughs> so, it stinks. With that in mind, uh, I'm sure we'll get Jim Ross running through his 
thoughts on on how the show is going to be laid out in due course. I think top of this second hour, I think the first, first top of the first hour, inter, intercon, international championship match. Open the show with Orange Cassidy. They've done that loads recently. Top of the second hour, I like the idea of the open house trios match with all the heavy break, mm. and then basically that finishes and Julia Hart steps over the corpse of one of the uh, best friends. That's nice, yeah. Get in there uh, and have the match against Anna J.A.S. Uh, and they'll go, yeah, in the slot. They shouldn't go in, I completely agree, Sage, but that's where they're going to go just before the main event, uh, which will hopefully give them plenty of time. So working that backwards, I will go one hour, 18 minutes, and... Three seconds. I was... I'm still going to go with my original prediction, but I was all in on that um, narrative justification for it going in the traditional death spot because at least then... Like, that's quite a powerful visual of her stepping over the bodies of the best friends and being like, right, now we'll have our fight. And then all House of Black Business has been conducted. But I'll just go straight forward. I'll go down the line 40 minutes dead. Because me and Sid were on about this earlier on and it was hard to lay this dynamite out any other way in a way that was not just fair to the women. It's, it's never really fair to the women, but fair to everybody because it is so stacked. Mm. And as well, you're going to know if um, something's ran long in the first hour because there's no way they're not protecting the cage match when it comes to the timekeeping thing. So I don't think they're going to want this to be the thing they hurry along in that second hour. If they need th- This is the thing they will want to hurry yeah, along. It's gonna, only the bloody women, mate. They're going to cut the time from it and they're going to say, anyway, time to wrap this up because we need to go to... Uh, Chris Jericho off the back of the Anna JAS loss to set up his stuff with Adam Cole whilst they bring the cage down. <laughs> Ignoring the loss completely. Yeah. Well, I just don't know how this is going to go, so I need to get into my customary zone. What does Dynamite's format look like tonight? Um, boom, let's go ignite. Some of that cock and a flash and a flash. No, boom, Dynamite. Where's it not? You know what that means? I'm s- sorry, I just got distracted by my Twitter likes. <laughs> <laughs> the damnedest titties I've ever seen. Orange Cassidy versus Danny Garcia. Oh, that's me doing his dance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I think honestly, the Jezebels, if they're going to stand a goddamn chance of getting over in their business, uh, be nice. <laughs> don't put them. Be nice. Be like an OGR. But <laughs> don't put them too close to Kenny and Omega. That's just selling the goddamn tickets in this place. Call it 2023, but come on, something's never changed. Is he mentally ill, Excalibur? Is he sick? No hours. 22 minutes. And 16 seconds. Spread bet really mm. well. Sorry, Jim, before you go, yeah. um, there's a trios match tonight involving the, the House of Black. Which yeah, is get a referee tightened up. It's of course... Yeah, uh, they need two referees at least for a trios match. I've been seeing it for four f***ing years. So um, just, I just wanted to get your quick thoughts uh, on one of, the, uh, one of the competitors in that match because, uh, of course, in the House of Black, you've got, um, uh, you've got uh, Malachi Black... You've got um, Buddy Matthews. You've got Julia Hart, but then you've also got Brody King. I wonder if you've got any thoughts on on Brody King or any any um, 
uh, wisdom you can you can pass on from your years in in this business. It's got great upside. Oh yeah, is that, that's interesting that you'd say something like that. What? Why? Why? Why would you say say something like that about about the the sizable talent that is uh, is Brody King? We got a great upside that we can market effectively because Bill Watts once told me you can make a lot of money with an athletic big man. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> right, let's know your thoughts ahead of AW Dynamite tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch there, you can follow what three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidrick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. If you're a fan of Jim Ross, he uh, he made an appearance on the Raw Review <laughs> yesterday, so you can go and check that out right now. And you can check out today's NXT review right now too. And if you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, our AW Dynamite review will drop into your feed tomorrow as soon as it is released. Uh, but for now, it's been the AW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.